Welcome to the official podcast of DogsDaily.com, a Sports Illustrated channel. Gets to the edge. Tony Michelle will send the Dogs home to the championship game. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you're in the right place. Hosted by Dogs Daily Riders, Jeremiah Stoddard, Kyle Funderburg, and Jonathan Williams. Here's a pitch. High out into right center with some carry. It's got a chance. This ball is out of here. Tucker Bradley has won it. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard along with Jonathan Williams here. It's the summer, so schedule's been a little bit shaky. Some people like to go on vacations and stuff like that and leave their buddies in, you know, behind uh, while they go to the other Athens in the world, you know, and not the ones that's right here in our backyard. Uh, but after taking three weeks off, it's great to be sitting here with you virtually this time. Because once again, it's the summer, so everybody's not exactly where they normally are. So when we do it throughout the summer, a lot of times I think we will be virtual like this. Um, so get used to it. I know my backdrop's not that great. Jonathan's got some nice stuff back behind him right now. Uh, aside so from like all the clutter and everything <laughs> else going on, I got something. So, you know, I had a few you flags. Got we got going, the Braves man. going. It's baseball season. That's it. A little rise-up action. And, and, of course, the dogs always. So we got all three. We got all three major Georgia got sports it. in here. Yeah. But anyways, it is fun to be sitting here doing a show again. Probably going to be a little rusty after not doing it for a couple weeks, so bear with us. The good news is we started off the show with the right intro. Lighting and everything has been okay so far. We're doing all right. Um, (laughs) But we'll go ahead and jump straight into everything. It's going to be a fun one. The question that's posed in the title of this is, can Georgia go back-to-back? We're going to break down just what they have on the road to get back into a national championship situation or put themselves in the spot where they're in the driver's seat to control their own destiny of this season in the 2022 to 2023 season here. Um, got a new segment that I'm not going to spoil just yet, that Jonathan came up with this for us the other day. Um, and then we're going to obviously wrap everything up with King of the Hill. So we'll start out with this. Jonathan, how are you doing so far uh, with your summer? And then Get us kicked off with the first part of the segment for for Georgia football. You know, I I hate to be the guy that complains after spending two weeks in Europe, but I will say sleeping, getting adjusted to schedule and everything has been a little rough, especially because, you know, you get back and it's right back to work, man. You got to start waking up at 8 a.m., getting back to the work shift type deal. But other than that, it's been good. Been good being back with you, of course. So excited to be doing this week's episode. And of course, we got some exciting topics. And as you mentioned, we do have a new segment and I'm rather excited about this one. So you get both King of the Hill and you get a brand new segment this time. So what more could you ask for after a three week hiatus, if you will, from us? So super excited about this episode. Yeah, for sure. It is going to be a good one. But let's start with this real quick, right? So the obvious thing is to look at Georgia's schedule for this year. When you look at Georgia's schedule for this season, what makes you say Georgia is posed to make another title run? Or is there anything in there that like kind of stands out to you that's like, hey, this is what they've got to watch out for. This is a potential trap game, anything like that. Like, What, what do you see when you look at Georgia for 2022 in an overview type standpoint? 
I mean, honestly, it reminds me a lot of what you saw with their um, schedule last year. You know, last year you opened up with a non-conference opponent, and it was Clemson. Big powerhouse, um, or it was, aside from them, you know, having a major downfall after that game. But they're still a powerhouse in college football, so you open up with them. and But then after that, it was like easy cruising along for the dogs, and you really shouldn't lose anybody else. And that's kind of what this season is a little bit. You know, Oregon doesn't have the stature that Clemson does yet. Potentially, they get there with Dan Landing. You know, they got some good things going for them right now. But once you get past Oregon, it's kind of the same thing of nobody else on this schedule should beat you. Oregon shouldn't beat you either. So the schedule right. lines up for you. There's nobody you run. You've run the East ever since Kirby Smart has gotten um, to the University of Georgia. And then you handle Auburn pretty much every single year, aside from a little slip up that you had with them in 2017. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, you look at the schedule and it's like, who even challenges Georgia? I mean, you can maybe throw Tennessee in there. They, um, they're riding high a little bit with Heupel up there. Um, got a good a high-powered offense going with them. So maybe something like that can challenge them. And then, you know, maybe um, Dan Lanning gets a fire in his football team week one and they pull off an upset against Georgia. But, I mean, really, to be honest, you look at the schedule and it's like there's not a single game on there that Georgia should lose. They should pretty much just go 12-0. and And at that point, it seems like if you're 12-0 and going into the SEC championship – you're pretty much a lock already in the college football playoff. So, yeah, like it, it, that's that's what we saw last year, right? So, like I remember, you know, in the summer of last year, I think it was August, maybe last year, you and I sat down and we went over, we did a full schedule, like a SEC breakdown, right, of what we thought everybody in the SEC was going to do. We're going to do that again because I think that was a good episode, and I think it was a lot of fun personally. Absolutely, um, people seem to enjoy it, so we will do that again where we go through and say, hey. This is what we think the SEC standings are going to look like. When we did all of that last year, you know, we put your – we'll start – like I'll talk about the West, right? You had Alabama at the top. You, We talked about Texas A&M being a game to watch out for so Alabama didn't trip up. Guess what? Alabama did trip up there. We got to Georgia on the list of stuff. We looked at the schedule and genuinely sat back and said something very similar to what you just said a second ago. There's not a game on the schedule that Georgia should lose outside of week one where – you shouldn't necessarily lose it, but could be a good game in week one, which is Clemson last year. This year you're looking at Oregon, and you're still – this time I'm saying more than I did last year where Georgia shouldn't lose that game. Last year I was uncertain. I, we called for Georgia to win that game, and they obviously did, but I definitely had my doubts. You saw how it played out. It was a closer game. There was a lot going on. I do expect Georgia to kind of pull away from Oregon. I, I don't think that that game – stays a great game for very long. I don't think it's going to be like a, a Clemson-type setting where you're in the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game still. I don't think that's going to happen. And then you go into the regular schedule, you know, your normal stuff, your SEC schedules. I'm with you. I don't I don't see a loss for Georgia right now on that schedule or a game that they should lose. There's there's not a single game on that, on that schedule that Georgia should not win. And honestly, win with a little bit of ease. But I'm with you. you. You brought something up that's valid as well. What kind of season Tennessee is going to have this year? They went on a streak last year. They, they kind of turned things around. They had the high-powered offense, scoring a lot of points. It didn't help them against Georgia last year. Do you expect them to be able to like compete with Georgia this year is the question, I guess. Like, But that goes for each and every team on that schedule. Can they get over that hump with Georgia still being in the East the way the current SEC settings are? I don't see Georgia – having a team in the East really challenge them. And when you're looking at the West this year, you get Auburn and you get Mississippi State. Neither one of those teams 
should be in the same ballpark as for as Georgia this year either. Yeah, and I know a lot of people when talking about Georgia, <clears throat> they want to talk about the people that they lost. Obviously, you lost a lot of big names. You lost Jordan Davis. You lost Trevon Walker. You lost Devontae White. You lost Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, on and on and on. You lost a lot of your defense. But at the same time, they brought a lot back. They gained a lot back, and I don't think that's talked about enough. Talking about bringing back a guy like Tyke Smith, Chris Smith, you get back a, um, you don't really get him back, but you have Keely Ringo again. He's going to be your lead cornerback. You get back Stetson Bennett. Whether you want to say that's a major game for George or not, that is huge. That's big for you to have your quarterback back, of course. Um, and then you have Brock Bowers again, who's just going into his second season. You have Darnell Washington. You got back Eric Gilbert. It's why Georgia's being labeled as the most talented tight end room. It's probably the most talented tight end room in college football history. When have you seen three prolific guys like that in a tight end room at once at any college at any point in history? You probably haven't. So, yeah, they may have lost a lot, but they've also gained back a lot. They have Jalen Carter still up front for crying out loud and Nolan Smith lining up next to him as well. And people said Jalen Carter was the best defensive tackle or def- best defensive lineman on Georgia last year, even with Trevon Walker, Jordan Davis, and Devontae White. So, yeah, they lost a lot of people. But they also gained back, and they're going to be even better offensively, in my opinion, as well. So while last year's team was really good, obviously they won the national title, this year's is might even be a step up in some ways. So elaborate on that for me real quick, and, and I'll help out, you know, once I kind of see which direction you go with it. Where's the step-up spot, right? Like, so obviously defense, you see there's not – I don't think you can – I'll just be straightforward. You can't have a step-up on the defensive side. <laughs> no. Like, you had a historic defense last year, right? That was incredible. You can't get better than that. So one thing is you do expect there to be a slight step back. The question there is how much of a step back do you get? And then the other side is – Obviously, on the offensive side is where they have potential to, like you said, have a step up. What do you see? Where where are the areas of opportunity for them to have improvement next year versus what they had last year on the offensive side of the ball? I'll go ahead and tell you. So whatever whatever step back they have on defense, the offense is going to make up for this season. And I tweeted out a stat probably a couple weeks ago. And it was tracking the points per game for Georgia over the years. And it was specifically highlighting when Todd Munkin came on to staff. Ever since Todd Munkin came on to Georgia staff, their points per game has continued to increase every single year. Last year, they scored, I think, 38.7 points per game, I think was the number. So you're talking about Mm -hmm. potentially increasing that to around 40 points per game. That's top five offense potentially in college football, depending on what everybody else does. But that's really freaking good to be averaging 40 points per game. Yeah, I think they absolutely do have the potential to do that because of, like I said, all the guys they brought back and they reloaded on running backs. They got Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton. Those are their two primary primary backs this year. You got Adonai Mitchell. Kyrus Jackson is another guy that's coming back that'll be huge for Georgia. We'll actually touch on that in a little bit. But um, And, of course, the best tight end in college football. So everything – and people are saying that Georgia has the best offensive line in college football right now as well with two really good left tackles. You got a really good center. So yeah. everything's lining up for you on offense. And so whatever step back the defense has – I mean, however small or big it is, I think the offense is going to more than enough make up for that. Yeah, I think you pointed out something that kind of made me laugh um, when you said that, like, you know, Georgia's potentially going to have one of the better offensive lines in college football this year. And I just remember, you know, it it is talking season. We haven't done that segment um, in a while, but it is still talking at this point. And, and, you know, when you're in June and July area, that's all people can do is talk. Um, I've seen stuff on on Twitter 
where it was Georgia's going to have a worse offensive line was one of the things that was pointed out. And I was like, I don't know how you look at Georgia's you know, roster and say they're going to have a worse offensive line when they got better at the end of the year when they substituted some of the younger guys in and stuff like that. So those guys are going to be starting. Uh, I, I, they were going to be far from worse than they were last year on the offensive line. Absolutely. So I think, I think that is an area for improvement. I think the offensive line had its issues last year. I think that now that you, you expect, you know, you have uh, Broderick Jones starting at left tackle. You're hoping you get Tate Ratledge back, you know, at, at one of the guard positions. Um, you know, SVP Cedric Van Pran is it locked down that center position. Um, War McClendon on the, on the right side, you know, it, it's going to be good. There's some question marks about who's going to maybe be in that second uh, guard position. You know, one of the other guard positions. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But as far as the roster goes, like the offensive line, it's going to be better this year. I think it, I, I would bet that it is better by a decent margin this year because they definitely had some issues, especially early in the season where your quarterback is dropping back and instantly rolling left to right because there's a guy mm-hmm. blitzing right. It's straight through on him, and all of a sudden he's having to improvise. Yeah, especially when you um, – just a little reminder is that Georgia was able to retain Marius Mims. He entered the transfer portal for That's a brief true. period of time, and everybody said that he was a lock for Florida State. And the next thing you know, he's saying, I'm staying at home, I'm staying in Athens. So that's a good depth piece for Georgia to have at tackle as well. Just, you know, maybe um, you, you have a guy go down or um, you need to rotate some guys in. You're not going to miss a beat. Amarius Mims is a really talented individual that is a very, very um, elite or not elite, but he's very talented at the tackle position. And so that could very well pay off for Georgia um, this upcoming season. You just you never know. It, all it takes is one play and you're needing a new offensive line. We saw it last year with Tate Rowledge with, with like three plays first in. First drive. Yeah. First yeah. drive of the season dumb for the year and all of a sudden you're scrambling trying to find your guy and you got to find a way to make it gel well Amarius Mims very well can end up being a big payoff for Georgia this year and especially for the coming years as well so yeah I think when you just look at the schedule and you just kind of go down the opponents you see 12 and 0 in my opinion if you really just look at it and you analyze it and you think about it I mean common sense would really tell you that Georgia should go 12 and 0 and as we know like if you go 12 and 0 that happened last year you go 12 and 0 into the SEC championship game you can kind of just kind of go into that game and say, whatever happens, happens. We'll get our spot in the college football playoff more than likely, unless chaos just ensues um, during that week and Did you Georgia end up getting go- popped out. Georgia went in as a three seed, right? Yes. Yeah. So they last year, they, they went in undefeated into the SEC championship game. They lost it in a game that they did not look good in. They looked bad. Very bad. Everywhere. Wait, the defense looked bad. Offense looked bad. Quarterback looked bad. Everybody looked bad in that game, and yet they still slipped in as the three seed. They didn't even drop to the the four seed. Yeah, part of that plays into college football around you, and you didn't really see that many big teams. You know, like your your Ohio states and and your Oklahomas and stuff like that weren't in the runnings. Yeah, this past year, like you normally have them. So yeah, maybe the same thing comes up in this next year, right? And maybe there's a little bit more competition for those third fourth spots in the playoffs. And at that point, you get a little hesitant. But at this point, quite frankly, if you have a Georgia versus an Alabama in an SEC championship game where Georgia is undefeated and they lose that game again, I don't see a scenario where they're going to keep Georgia out of the playoffs again. I don't. So like you said, if you can go through this regular season, take care of the games that you should win, because once again, they're they're all games that Georgia should not lose. 
So as long as they go in through the season and take care of business the way that they are supposed to, you find yourself sitting in an SEC championship game at 12-0, and 0, and then you just have to take care of business the rest of the way. At that point, you go into that game where, one, you want to win an SEC title. That's like everyone wants that for the program. It's not one of those games they walk into and say it doesn't matter. It very much matters. If you lose, you're still probably going to be in the playoffs, but winning it still means something. And so you're still going to want to try to win that game. Also, it puts you as the number one seed where you have a little bit of input of where you play in the first round and you make sure you're playing against the four seed. So you maybe you have a little bit easier of a game than you might have as a two or three seed by maybe losing that game. Like last year, Georgia had to play Michigan versus playing Cincinnati. Um, didn't matter that it was Michigan at the end of the day. They took care of business. But Cincinnati was probably the easier opponent last year. So it's one of those things that you control where you sit in those playoff spots at that point. It's in your hands to do what you can do. And you can literally control where you go. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about it. Every coach will say is that the biggest thing for every program is that they want to control their own destiny. You go undefeated in the regular season. You pretty much control your own destiny. You continue to win. You take care of business in week one and you continue to take care of business in the sec. Like as long as you control your own destiny, you are in a great spot. And so by going undefeated in the regular season, you control your own destiny of where you're going to end up. But as you said, of course you want to win the SEC championship. You don't really want to go into that game with the mentality of, ah, who really cares? You know, we lose and we'll be fine. Of course you want to win the SEC championship. It's a dangerous mentality to have, yeah. Absolutely. And some might argue that that's the mentality that Georgia had going into the SEC championship game last year. And it's why they got absolutely walloped um, by Alabama. yeah, I think so, it's a very I mean, possible scenario that happened, right? Like where they go into that game with the exact mindset that we said. They, they're they told, right? The coaches are like, this game matters, and they're trying to get in head. But these are 20-year-old kids that can't help but look at it and go, is there a scenario that they're not going to let us in? And maybe that they don't have it really keyed up and ready to go in that game. And it looked like all over the board, Georgia just didn't play like themselves at all. So it makes you wonder that, yeah, maybe that did happen. Well, especially when you roll through the regular season like they did. I mean, you you were murdering every single person that walked onto the same football field as you. Absolutely. Whereas Alabama was struggling with teams like Auburn, who they probably shouldn't have been struggling with, and they got upset by um, Zach Calzada-led Texas A&M team. So when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, did they have – I mean, yeah, it probably was a little bit of that where they just were like, I mean, look at what we've done versus what they've done. And look at where we're at, where we stand in the college football playoff rankings and whatnot, and what we can like sacrifice, I guess, is a word that you could use for it. So, yeah, I mean, that probably does come into play in last year's game. But at the same time, they did what was necessary. They took care of business and they did what they got the job done. And it still results in the national title for them. So who can really argue against it? For sure. And last thing, let's do this and then we can go ahead and move on to the next segment here. What's one game on the schedule that that could and I'm not saying it's it's a game that Georgia shouldn't win. But what's a game on there that you look at and you go that could be a trap game and Georgia needs to be like ready to go so they don't fall into that. I think there's really only two games you could say for this answer. First one being Oregon. But for me, when I look at the Oregon game, I see a game that's in Atlanta. I see a team that's going to be playing their first game since winning a national title in their home state. It may not be in Sanford Stadium, but you might as well label that as a home game for Georgia Mm -hmm. because Oregon's on the other side of the country. So not many people more than likely are going to be traveling. They may say they did a 50-50 split ticket-wise. 
but I think you're going to end up seeing a lot more red and black than you yeah. are yellow and green for that yes, game. So the only other answer I have is Tennessee. And it's just because, I mean, when you have an offense like that and they're hitting on all cylinders, and that's assuming that they will be again this year, it's just kind of any given Saturday they could beat someone. You know, if you can't stop them and they get one or two stops against you, that's all it takes sometimes to beat you. That's all it takes to pull off an upset. So really I would say Tennessee is the only answer I could give you right now. And that's just saying that in the preseason as well. We, me and you both know, and everybody should know that, statements like this in the preseason don't mean – Jack squat just because you never know what no. the season is going to look like. And, Nobody and, would have labeled Clemson as um, what they finished like nine and three or whatever they did. Nobody would have labeled Clemson like that no. during this time last year. No, not at all. And once again, this is just to add a, a, some variety to the answer of, because I agree Tennessee was one of the teams that I was thinking is a game that you got to be cautious with as the always the first game of the year, going to be a big one coming off of like the national championship Oregon's one to watch out for there for sure. Um, but I look at that game, both of those games, and I say what's the, the common thing there is technically, yes, Georgia's not the home team against Oregon, but like you said, might as well be. Um, Tennessee's at Sanford Stadium this year, so I think that Georgia should be okay there. The crowd will help. Even if they get stopped once or something like that, the crowd's going to become a big factor for Tennessee um, that'll kind of help Georgia if it got into a situation like that. The other game... And this one's a stretch. It is a stretch on like the answer, but just to give some type of variety to the answer, a team to be cautious with is going to be South Carolina because you're rolling in to their stadium on, you know, on the of America. It's going to be <laughs> September 17th. So it's going to be hot. It is not going to be comfortable. And it's a noon game. That's and, and they did make a couple of additions in, in the transfer portal this offseason. Whether or not you expect there, you know, to be a lot of difference there or not, I don't personally think there's gonna be that big of a difference. But maybe they come out and punch you in the mouth because it's a noon game and they catch you off guard. The other side of me says Arkansas was a noon game last year too, and that was a what top ten matchup at the time or whatever it was. Yes. No, no shot against Arkansas, but my point is Georgia stepped up and was ready for that game. I don't think you see Georgia go into a noon game where Kirby Smart doesn't have that team ready to play. Had that situation before where he actually came out and said, you know, that Georgia just really wasn't ready to play in a game where they lost to South Carolina. What was that, 2018? Um, uh, yes, 2018. 2018, where they lost to, to South Carolina at a noon game at Sanford Stadium, and they lost in overtime. Um I think yeah. what Turner just put in the comments is a little interesting because you're talking about um, going into someone else's environment. I do believe that Georgia is playing at Mississippi State this year, if I um, if I am correct. I'm not 100% sure on that. I will tell you. Just I'll second. let you yeah, clarify that. At Mississippi so, State. You know, they'll be ringing those cowbells, man. It's going to be loud in there. Um, and it's interesting that Turner said that that's the closest spread that Georgia has preseason-wise right now. I would have probably went with um, a Tennessee more than likely, as I just stated. So interesting that Mississippi State is out there. You know, you do have Mike Leach talking about offenses. He always has one. He's um, he's a goofy guy. He's always got a little gimmicks with him. So potentially that you could label that one as well. As I said, they um, they get rowdy over there in Starksville. So um, who knows? Maybe you go into the Bulldog versus Bulldog match matchup and all crap hits the fan in the first quarter and you just have – 
um, you're scrapping and clawing just to get back into the game. So who knows? It's college football, man. Every given, any given Saturday, as everybody likes to say. So you just never know what could happen. But also at the end of the day, Georgia is um, very talented and they are um, the reigning national champions. So it's kind of hard also to pick against them. So that's all I have on that topic, yeah. though. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point to to have them be a team to watch out for. What benefits Georgia there is that's the 10th game of the season. You know exactly who you're dealing with at that point in the season. So, like, yeah. I don't think if it's game one and they're on the road, you know, in, in Starksville and all of a sudden you're playing, it makes a difference at that point because, you know, you're trying to figure things out as a team and you're in a hostile environment with, like you said, with the cowbells and everything. They make plenty of noise there. That place gets loud. So at that point, it definitely plays into a game that you're a little bit more concerned about. I think, like once again, it benefits Georgia that that's Week Ten. At that point, absolutely, you, you know it could become a huge game. What if Mississippi State is, you know, I won't say undefeated. Maybe they've got one, two losses or something like that. All of a sudden, you're on the road. That game becomes amplified. The tension mm-hmm. a little bit tighter. You know, the worry gets a little bit more there, and Georgia has something to, to be concerned about. I think that's a great comment as far as a team to pay attention to. Yeah, especially if Georgia does continue to roll through the regular season. Everybody knows that when you're ranked number one or you're in the top three, everybody's going to be coming for your head anytime you play anybody just because they want to be the team that gave you that first loss. They want to be the team that knocked you out of the playoff and um, handed you your first L or just basically ended your season right then and there. So that's also just something you always have to be cautious of. But I think we've pretty much wrapped up um, that comment. Zachary, it's also good to see you, dude. You're always in these comments. You're always showing us love on Twitter. I appreciate the support. We're glad to see you in here, man. Um, You're really a true fan of us, and we really appreciate you. So I think that wraps it up for us on this segment. And now it's time to debut our fresh and new segment. And so I'll have to kind of explain it to you a little bit. You may not understand it, but I'm super excited for this one. It's going to be something that we can just kind of bring it in, bring it out kind of type of thing. Maybe not um, not be something that – uh, we do every single week, week like we've been doing King of the Hill, but it is something that will probably be kind of a regular occurrence, I'm hoping, for the show. But it is a segment called Dognosticator, and if um, and it's a play off the word of prognosticator. If you don't know what that means, prognosticator is someone that can see into the future, they can predict what is going to happen, and so that's what this is. It's Dognosticator. We're going to be telling you, predicting the future for Georgia and this week's topic for Dognostic Care, the first one in the classic city sports history is Kyrus Jackson is going to explode in 2022. Um, and I'll tell you why I came up, I, w- I went some stat, I did some stat digging the other day. Um, it's good to, looking, my man is a statistician over here, by the way, if you, if you I'm trying, I'm really man, trying. If you don't follow him on Twitter, I don't know what to tell you, man. The man is always pumping out. Just I'm dropping them daily right now. So stats. yeah. Worth so, um, Here's a stat for you. Roughly 52% of Kyrus Jackson's career receiving yards and 48% of his career receptions came during the six games in 2020 where Stetson Bennett was the quarterback, either started or played for the majority of the game. And if you don't remember, last year, um, Kyrus was kind of dealing with a um, knee injury at the beginning of the season, so it kind of kept him sidelined, kind of kept his availability a little bit limited. He was still playing on special teams. He was out on the field a little bit, but – definitely was not playing the typical role that he is used to. So if you're saying like, oh, well, Stetson was the starting quarterback all last year and he really didn't put up any numbers, you got to take those type of things into account as well. And I believe he was hurt going into the SEC championship game as well. So when you take into that account, him and Stetson had a special connection in 2020. I mean, those two were basically the entire offense at times. Um, They basically – 
got the Auburn victory, just those two alone. Um, so when you look in, or uh, so when you go in, when you take those things into account, you can only think, but Kyrus and Stetson could reignite that explosive connection together and just absolutely explode in 2022 together. Absolutely should be expecting that. And this is something that if you watch our show regularly and, and you watch the one where we, after the G day, uh, after G day, we talked about the connection that Kyrus Jackson had with Stetson Bennett, because like you said a minute ago, if you broke down the stats of, you know, his six games that he started in 2020, and then, you know, last year was a little bit of a different thing where Kyrus was injured a lot and different, all that kind of stuff. Right. But, um, but in 2020, that was his go-to guy. In those six games, it, you know, he was leading the team in receiving. He was ahead of George Pickens at the time, um, and everything. Like, in, so I think in that, like, I think what did you say the number already? It was like 400 and something yards in those six games. Yeah. Um, it, it was. And then after that is when George Pickens and JT Daniels connected, and all of a sudden the focus kind of changed. And so Kyrus Jackson's season started to kind of get a little bit less impressive by the end of it because it was one, a short season and two, somebody else was playing QB at the end of the season and kind of changed that. Well, when you got to G day, we were all reminded of the connection that Kyrus Jackson and Stetson Bennett had. When I, I remember in the first drive alone, I think he threw it to him like three times or something. It was like constantly you saw number 10 flashing and being targeted and, it was good to see. I, I really enjoyed watching it because it, it made me think the same thing that you just said too. Is like he could have a coming out party this year. It's his last season in Athens, most likely. I don't know if he has any eligibility left. I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, COVID years and all the stuff that's happening <clears throat> with injuries and stuff. Gosh. I don't know who has what years. It's really hard to good keep luck up with trying to figure guys. it out. You know. Yeah, but um, I, I think he's got this last season left because I think he could have left last year and he came back. Yes. Um, and then this year he's coming back again. So I, I do expect him to, yeah, I expect him to kind of go off a little bit. I think that he'll be he'll be somebody that you see get targeted a good bit alongside A.D. Mitchell and Ladd Conkey as your wide receivers outside of all of the ridiculous weapons that you have on that offense because those are the wide receivers. We didn't even get into other skill positions like tight end and, and running back in that comment. But, um, yeah, I, I think Kyrus Jackson is – definitely a player that you should be watching for he's definitely got the chance to really bust out this year and if you remember earlier in the offseason Kirby Smart made a comment regarding the depth chart of the wide receiver room and he said that this room lacks experience they lack <laughs> I don't think anybody could be here longer than Hunter Renfro my bad I didn't mean to cut oh you my, off <laughs> no you're, you're good that dude was there I think he was there longer than Julian Rochester was at Georgia and that says a lot I mean, Julian Rochester was there since I was born, it seemed like. So, <laughs> so Kirby Smart touched on how Georgia's wide receiver room lacked experience, and they don't have many veterans when it comes to that position. Kyrus Jackson is the definition of that. I think he's going into his fifth he year is. now at Georgia. He ha- He's played in a lot of games. He has a lot of experience on both special teams and, of course, playing wide receiver. And he's just explosive after the catch. So having a guy like him – and he's kind of like a bailout guy for Stetson in a sense. That's the guy he looks for when, um, you know, crap might hit the fan when he's back in the pocket. He's looking for um, number 10. So it's definitely something to look for this season and um, might be a, like a veteran that they rely on um, when it comes into big situations. They might be looking number 10's way um, in those big moments because he's the experienced guy and that's someone that you can always count on. One thing that I remember, and somebody can correct me if y'all don't if y'all don't remember it the same way I do, or um, if you feel like it was different. But in 2020, 
one of the biggest times that Stetson Bennett was actually throwing to Kyrus Jackson. Like the most common time I saw him get targeted was on third downs. It was the guy that he felt most comfortable to. That that says a lot about a wide receiver when a quarterback is looking for you on third downs because you're the reliable one. You're the one they trust. You're the one that they feel confident putting the ball in your hands when that drives on the line or maybe the game, you know, that kind of thing. It was all like third down targets. Look for number 10. See where he's lined up and watch for it because he's who he is looking for. Now, this year, yeah, you've got, you know, Brock Bowers and, and other guys, A.D. Mitchell, who stepped up a ton. You've got those other guys that have been able to kind of show that they're reliable themselves. But at the same time, we saw him step back into it where he was like, hey, I'm comfortable with Kyrus Jackson. Just at G-Day alone. I don't think that changes that much when you sit here and you go into the season. I think I think he's still going to be looking for number 10 on third downs in big scenarios. That's that's the guy to watch. Yeah, every quarterback has a bailout guy that they're always looking to. JT Daniels, it was George Pickens. Stetson Bennett, um, it was Kyrus Jackson in 2020. Don't really know who you could say was his bailout guy last year. Probably Brock Bowers um, would be an easy answer to just, say. I wouldn't even say bailout. I would just say the guy <laughs> just Here's freaking open. He was just always freaking open. How could you not always, throw it to him? Always. Um, yeah. So maybe this year, Kyrus steps back into that role with Stetson. So definitely something to look forward to um, and look, watch out for. So the Dognosticators have spoken. They've given it to you. They've given you the prediction for what you need to look out for. And that will conclude the first segment of Dognosticator on Classic City Sports. And be on the lookout for more of them because I'm telling you, we're going to keep them coming. We're excited to keep this series going. But we're now we're going to keep this other series going. You know if we were coming back after three weeks of being gone, we had to bring back King of the Hill and we're bringing back one that wasn't necessarily a King of the Hill topic last year because it didn't exist yet, but it was a topic that we discussed on here and we actually discussed it with Brooks Austin and this we had a lot spring. of fun discussing it. Yeah. This was yes. like March of last year. Oh yeah. This was early in the podcasting series for us. We were very new. So right too. around G day, it was right around G day last year. Somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Remember it was. That. So we're bringing it back. And the question that I'm posing to you Stoddard is, who is going to lead Georgia in offense? And it can't obviously it can't be a quarterback because that'd be an easy answer just to say, well, Stetson Bennett's going to throw for 3,000 yards, blah, blah, blah. Nah, we're going running back, wide receiver, tight end. Who you got? Who do you have this year? It's, it's, this is a tough one because I feel like the almost like the obvious answer to go with is going to be your Brock Bowers because yeah. he almost had 1,000 yards last year. Um, and he's a tight end, which is unreal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay away from that answer on this because I think that I don't think it gets much better than it did last year for him, uh, especially because there's so many more weapons and other people around him this year where you have other tight ends like, you know, Gilbert and Washington, um, then all the wide receivers and running backs around him. I think that I don't think he gets like worse. Don't get me wrong. I just think that maybe his targets go down a little bit. So I don't know that he'll lead the team. I don't know that he quite gets to a thousand. Uh, which would be absolutely insane. I'm going with the running back again. I- I'm going to go back to the running back because this is the tough part for me is because it's hard to decide who I think it's going to be at that position because we don't really know what that running back room is going to look like as far as a one-two punch because we know who is going to be, but you don't know who's going to be one, who's going to be two just yet because it really hasn't played out like that yet. I think it's going to be Kendall. I'm, I'm going to go with Kendall Milton. Ooh. And I'm going to say that he has a huge year because he's if he stays healthy because he dealt with some injuries last year, so did Kenny and other guys in the backfield as well. 
if if the running back room stays healthy, you're going to see a, a two-headed monster between Kendall and Kenny McIntosh. Kendall Milton, Kenny McIntosh, or as uh, Chris Milton likes, and I like to, to call it on Twitter the other day, is KM, uh, KM squared. So you got both KMs going at it. So I think it's – but I'm, I'm going to go with Kendall. I think you're looking at a guy that could – he could be a 1,000-yard rusher. I think he is a guy that's capable of having a 1,000-yard season. Georgia's been known to have – multiple thousand yard rushers in the same year um over the past like five years they've had a few do it um back in the chubb and sony days and then um who was the last one was holyfield and uh was it swift swift and holyfield both went a thousand i think Mm -hmm. like you've, you've seen running backs go up there there's plenty of rushing yards out there for these guys and i expect the offense to be doing very well and producing a lot so i think that the guy that watch yeah i'm gonna lock it in lock it in my answer kendall milton now, when you said running back, I have to say, I did not think that you would be saying Kendall Milton. So that's a very interesting take just because you've, we've seen a little bit of Kendall and you've seen like, OK, this guy is going to be special when it is his turn to be a primary back at Georgia. So interesting to say that you you just think he's going to burst onto the scene this year, huh? I think it's his time. Like you just said, it, it's his time. The reason it's hard to de- decide between the two running backs is I think Kendall's going to be a, or uh, I think Kenny's going to be a big you know, a, a big uh, contributor in the passing game too. I think because you lined up the stats of you know James Cook and his production, and then you know Kenny or Kendall's no Kenny, too many K's, Kenny's production and stuff like that, and over their junior year. So it'll be interesting to see you know how much he contributes in the passing game as well. That might help him. That might give him the edge. But I think that Kendall's going to be your first, your number one running back, and he's going to get the bulk of the rushing yards. I'm a little salty right now because you just spoiled my my talking point of this entire King of the Hill segment. You gave it away. You oh. gave out my coming out of the curtain moment and displaying the beautiful stats that I once again tweeted. I tweeted them today. Um, That's my yeah, bad. I, I did That's the comparison of James Cook and Kenny McIntosh of their junior years. And so by surprise, no shocker, Kenny McIntosh is my pick. I'm also going running back. And I think Kenny McIntosh is going to lead the team in um, total offense this year. And I'll tell you why. And I'll read off the stats for you. So James Cook in his junior year had 45 rushing attempts, 303 rushing yards, 225 receiving yards, five total touchdowns. Kenny McIntosh's last year, 58 attempts, 328 rushing yards, 242 receiving yards, five total touchdowns. Very, very similar stat line. And as we know, James Cook went on to absolutely just – I mean, I don't know what got into him, but he just ha- – he was a d- different guy his senior year. He was just a different runner. He looked different in the offense, and it's why he was drafted as high as he was in the NFL. So um, I'm going with Kenny McIntosh because I think there's a good chance you see him have a um, very similar James Cook-esque um, senior year. And so when you put into that, he was really good in the passing game. He even threw for a freaking touchdown for crying out loud in the orange bowl. It may have not have been the most pretty thing, but I mean, it goes in the stat sheet as a touchdown. So I think what he adds in the passing game, he's so versatile. He's a versatile running back, what he can do in the run game as well as in passing game. And he's so shifty. I just love his game. And I think it complements the offense really well. So I'm rolling with Kenny McIntosh just just off of those things alone. I think, that I think he's going to be your primary runner. I think he's going to be your go-to, kind of your bell cow, if you will. Um, but So I think with that, along with what he'll add into the passing game, he'll be a dangerous threat, and he's going to be getting the ball a lot. And I think that's what's going to put him over the top and what ends up helping him lead the team in offense this year. 
Yeah, I think that's a good answer. It really is because, once again, like I was kind of saying a second ago, I think that he really does contribute in the passing game a lot. And I think that's where he's going to make his money this year, Um, whereas I think Kendall's going to get more of the carries and and grind out more of the yards. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think it's funny we both looked at the running back room, especially when both running backs are guys that haven't had the chance to really just like show their face to like dog nation yet, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, able to just whip everything out and say, "Hey, we're here. This is what we're going to do." Yet, we're, there's some there's some unanswered questions there. But I think that they're both going to have great years. I think it wouldn't surprise me if you saw both of them get close to a thousand yards of like total offense. You know what I mean? I, oh, I think without a doubt, same time of getting up to where they're close to a thousand yards each. I think that's that's plausible. I mean, when talking about Georgia football, it's hard not to just look directly at the running back room. They produce them better than anybody else. They're RBU by far, far and away. Every single year, they've got two really good guys. This year, it's going to be Kendall Milton, and it's going to be um, Kenny McIntosh. And I think you could kind of see them be utilized the same way that Todd Munkin utilized Zamir White and James Cook. You have your guy um, that's kind of a little versatile, a little shifty, and then you have your other guy that's just – get the F out of the way when he's got the ball in his hands. Cause he's going to plow you right into the ground and um, Kendall Milton. So they complement each other really well. It's another great tandem that Georgia is going to have in the running back room. So you have our picks now and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I know last year I ended up picking George Pickens and then it was like two weeks later that he ended up tearing his ACL. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully I get to stick with my pick this time. Um, and I can ride it out. I don't even remember who I ended up switching it back to or whatever. But Dan, you actually think we did on it exact- again. Yeah, we did it again back at like right the before the season, of the season, I think. Yeah. And that's when you had a chance. I don't remember who you went with at that point. I doubled down on Zamir White, is what I did. I remember that. You did. You did indeed. And Dan, you're actually touching on something I was just about to bring up is yeah, do not sleep on Dejon Edwards, or I like to call him Dijon Mustard. You know, he's a little zesty, kind of slept on, as I like to say. Dijon Mustard is slept on. People forget about Dijon Mustard. People forget about Dejon Edwards. He's a great running back as well. And he's he adds um another kind of wrinkle into their offense because as a defense, there's nothing worse than knowing that a team has fresh running backs throughout the entirety of the game, especially when you have a team like Georgia who is no stranger to running the ball. So when you have three guys that are going to be getting rotated in and out a lot and they're going to stay fresh throughout the entirety of the game and you're gassed in the fourth quarter and they're coming at you full speed, that's a tough thing to deal with and it's something that Georgia has done a great job adding into their game. And they figured out a way to keep guys around as well because, like we said, Kenny McIntosh is going into his senior year but yet he has not been a primary back in Georgia's offense yet. He's always been kind of like a of a later option, um, if you will, on the depth chart. And he's just now getting into a role where he is one of the guys in the offense. Same thing for Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton would have been a starter at most other colleges, but yet he decided to wait his turn and here his turn is, and they're both in the spotlight now. And they're probably gonna they're gonna do some dangerous things for Georgia's offense. As I said earlier in the show, Georgia's offense is gonna do some special things, and a lot of that has to do with both Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh, or as Stoddard said earlier, KM squared is what we're gonna be calling them. KM squared is what we're rolling with. Even Chris Milton agrees with that statement. So there you go. I'm just gonna loop back to a comment from Lugia earlier, um, where he's talking about McIntosh is gonna blow up this year, and he says it couldn't help but agree with you, Jay Will, because it, it's you know, I, I, I get it. I get the it. People love me. What can I say? The people love First me. First of all, I understand that that's Munkin's ideal type of running back, right? But but here's my response to that. If that's the case, 
James Cook was also that same type of running back. And James Cook had a good year last year. It, it helped him. He made a lot of money last year by the way he performed. But Zamir still outperformed him in total offense. Yards. That's my I response guess it, to that. I guess it's really going to boil down he to like... He might have touchdowns because James Cook scored a crap ton of touchdowns last year. He's, he's, he's going to put points on the board for you. Total yardage is what we're talking about, especially though. That's where I think that you're going to get a running back. That's why I went with Zamir because he quietly grinds out those yards and puts up the stats that you don't even realize that he's put up. I think what it's really going to boil down to is in those situations where it's third and four goal line um, scenarios where you have to punch it in or you have to get a first down. Like who's that guy for Georgia in the running back group? Who is going to be the guy that you rely on in those big situations consistently? Um, James Cook was more of a second, third and long type of guy passing downs. Um, and then Zamir Wyatt was just your guy. Like we got to have a first down third and four, third and three, whatever you got to punch it in for us. And so who is it going to be this year for them? Is it going to be Kendall Milton? Who's going to be getting like this just because at the end of the day, that's probably going to be the guy who's getting the bulk of the carries as well, just because it's who you rely on the most. And so that's probably who you're going to be handing the ball off to the most as well. So I think that's what it's really going to boil down to. You touched on it. We really don't know who's going to be that number one option, if you will, for Georgia just yet. You'll kind of have to see that um, when the season starts. But for now, I, I still got to stick with Kenny McIntosh. I'm telling you that pass. I like the into, I do. What he adds into the passing game is going to be the difference maker. It's going. No, to I, I do think that that's. I mean, that's. I was on the fence. You heard me. You can go back to look at the beginning of where my statement is. I was saying it's, it's a running back, but it's hard to pick which one I want to go with because I think they both have a great season. So there's nothing wrong with the answer. I think it's a very valid answer. Um, and, and here's the thing: if either one of them lead Georgia's offense in total offense. It's going to have to be like a thousand yards, like the, because you're going to have guys like Brock Bowers out there still putting up seven, eight hundred yards this year. I think I think he can still put seven hundred plus yards up, maybe not quite as much as he did last year because they're going to have to spread the ball around a lot. Uh, but to go back to what you said at the beginning of the show, Georgia's offense is going to outperform how they were this year, where they were a top ten offense this past year, scoring thirty eight point seven points a game. I expect them to be in the forty point range, and at that point, like you said, maybe they're in the top five in that range. If they're in the top five of offense scoring that many points, they're putting up a lot of yards. There's a lot of yards to go around for everybody. You could see somebody like Brock Bauer still eat and get nearly 1,000 yards of offense while simultaneously having the two running backs also tally up near 1,000 yards. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of offense to be had, especially when Georgia's defense performs at the way they do. They get people off the field quick, which also means that your offense is going to have more opportunities to score points and gain more yards. So there's going to be a lot of yards and points and touchdowns to be thrown around to everybody. And But obviously, the Classic City Sports crew is rolling with the running back position. Two different picks. I think I'm right. Jeremiah's wrong. I don't care. Um, that's what I'm saying. That's the final vote for me. Um, you know, hit the pound the gavel. I think I win this one. Jeremiah. I should have just muted your mic right there while you were saying all that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start doing, I'm going to start. I mean, at least we finally disagreed. I finally, of all things, this was the one that got us. It may have not had us at each other's throats. Like I'm hoping I'm still praying for that moment where I'm going to find a good topic. This topic last year, this topic last year, like you said, we had Brooks on there. Kyle was still with us and stuff at that time too. And we all had different answers. Well, I think uh, I think me and Brooks had the same answer. I think we both rolled with Pickens. You both had Pickens. 
So that got derailed. Like you're right though. It was a couple weeks later. So I think it was like early March that we would have done that show because he obviously got hurt in the first week of spring practice. Um, so I think it was, yeah, it was back at that time. And yeah, we all went with different answers other than that. And I was right. So, <laughs> Oh boy, you're getting dethroned this year. I'm coming for you this time. All right. I'm I got Kenny, Kenny McIntosh is going to serve me right. And he's going to make me proud. And at the end of the year, we're going to be saying Jay will was right. He was right in saying Kenny McIntosh was going to be the dude for Georgia in offense. But other than that, guys, that's going to conclude King of the Hill. And it's going to conclude this week's episode. I hope you guys were glad to see us back. We we're glad to see you guys back at the comment sec- comment section. We really miss you guys. We miss being in front of our cameras, talking to you guys, bringing you guys as much knowledge as we possibly can, whether you like it or not. But I'm bringing you stats every single day, at least I'm trying to, over on Twitter. So you should follow my Twitter at 22 underscore J-Man. And Stoddard, I'll let you debut your Twitter change right now. I'll let you plug yourself. The Twitter change. All right, so the Twitter change, which if you listen to the, the intro, outro, it needs to all be updated. The Twitter change, the new Twitter name is The Stoddfather. So the Stoddfather. D-O-D and Father, F-A-T-H-A. You heard it here. Now make sure you're following me. If you aren't already, how dare you? So, yeah, but anyway, hide your, also make hide sure, your girlfriends, make sure hide your them. wives, hide your moms. Yeah. The stodfather father is here and he's coming for all the honeys <laughs> right now. So just because so I'm warning you right now, the stodfather father is here. I'm also kind of searching for a new Twitter handle. So if you guys have any suggestions, hit them my way. I'm kind of flirting with some and, other ones right now. And real what? quick, shout out in the comments to Dan Kylie over here and the top dog. Uh, top dog blogs. Top, yeah. Top or dog, top dog talk. That's Harrison's old talk. website. Is yeah, Harrison's all here changing my names and stuff on me, messing with me. Anyways, their podcast is a lot of fun to uh, to pay attention. We have to fun in the comment section over there too. So we'll be in the comment section every Tuesday night at seven thirty is when they usually go live. I think. Um, Dan, I apologize if I just messed all of that up. Harrison, but you're top not, dog you're, talk. You're not watching, you need so. to be there. Yeah, at the end of the day, Top Dog Talk, you guys need to watch them every single week. Just like you guys support us, you guys should support them as well. They put out some good content as well. And they're here supporting us, or at least half of them is here supporting us. Um, Throwing some shade to Harrison's way right now. But other than that, guys, that's going to conclude this week's episode. And other than me and um, Stoddard, you should also follow our podcast page at um, Classic City Pod. Um, we also changed that Twitter handle as well. So we're changing up a lot of things right now. All right. We got a new time this week. We got new Twitter handles to be thrown around. So we're throwing a lot of information at you, but do all that for us. Like the video. If you haven't already, that really helps us out as well. Subscribe if you haven't already and Stoddard, I'll let you close us out, baby. As always keep it classy in the classic city and we will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Dogs Daily crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at Jeremiah underscore Stodd 7, to Kyle at DK Fubderberg, and Jonathan at 22 underscore J-Man. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, go dogs.